Hi, hello, welcome to the another episode of the Two Facet Podcast, uh, the podcast we talk about product and building digital products. I'm here with my co-host, Juncal Gonzalez. Hey, I am Juncal, I am a product designer and yeah. And I'm Matt, a product manager here. Um, we will be talking today about some interesting stuff. I, I mean, I like it. So you can imagine like every one of us from our practice work at some moment in Scrum. Yes, yes. And then if you're a young team or a bit more advanced team, you will have a moment when you have a talking with the designer. No, it's like where are our designs for the next sprint and what else? So a lot of teams are trying to do like dual tracks. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. different solutions exist on the market. So you design and develop in parallel. You design before developing and, and other things. And some time ago, uh, we found something that's called Lean UX. So some approach that could help us a bit in how to incorporate um, UX into the or design into the agile world. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. No? Exactly. Our Lean UX. Yeah, because we all try to collaborate the most and we know collaboration is super important. But then when you get it to the to the day to day, it's like, yeah, how, how does this translate? Right. Yeah. And what happens a lot of time is that, yes, we try to collaborate. But at the end, the designer is designing first and then handing the things over to the to the yeah. developer, because really like the scrum and the um, process was designed for developers, True. not considering the designer. So where does actually the, the designer fit? Yeah, yeah that's and, true. And then you can produce this way a lot of ways, no? because one thing is what you said, that designer a lot of time going to be handing over. But I believe what you can see at that moment is also, oh, nice design from Cal. Cool. <laughs> let's let's redo it now because you know not feasible. We will not produce it. Come on, you are crazy designing. No, so you yes need to actually design it a few times. A lot I've of, been a lot there a lot. Yeah. So at the end you try, <laughs> you are designing and redesigning and then designing again. You are collaborating, which is great. So everyone's heard you're collaborating, but is there a better way, kind of, to build it together? Yeah. So taking it to to a next step and the Lean UX kind of helps us with this. Mm -hmm. So what is Lean UX? Uh, so basically it takes some principles from the from the Lean startup kind of mindsets, which is more like experimenting and keep learning. And of course it takes uh, UX practices mm -hmm. and puts them into this. It takes all the design thinking, user-centered and as well uh, testing and experimenting kind approach. Of approach. Yeah, and it works with Agile. It works with Scrum. <laughs> I will just, you know, move our cheat sheet a bit. Yeah, so it is compatible with, with Scrum. So this is this approach on trying to inject designers and UX designers into the Scrum cycles and initiatives, right? Yes, yes. So what we are, um, so why it makes sense the UX uh, together with the Lean? So the Lean reduces reduces the waste as we were talking, and so we're used to. At least I've been working like that until recently, and I think a lot of designers still work like that. To okay, I want to have my design completely finished before it gets into the production. Mm -hmm. And this mindset comes from before when you were doing like maybe industrial design or something physical, and then it's very expensive to produce. So you really want to have everything very well defined very well validated yeah. everything before getting into production and but with digital products it's not like that anymore so why are we yeah iterating know? is pretty cheap no it's producing prototypes you can produce few of them usually within a few days so 
there is le much less cost associated <laughs> to this. There's still designer time to spend. Yes. But in a pure money, it is it is a bit more optimal process nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, we are reducing the waste possibly with the UN U mm -hmm. Lean UX, right? And I do believe it also fits. So the one of the ideas from the Lean UX and why it's called Lean. Yes. <laughs> is this incorporation of any startup thinking? Mm -hmm. So. And this thinking, you can check another episode we're going to have about the list startup, but this thinking is super common for majority of the agile frameworks we have. So everything is rooted in this build, measure, learn cycle, which we basically, you know, we need problem statement. So you need to understand what problem do you want to solve and what are you doing. Then we need to list our assumptions. So yes, I believe this is the problem I want to solve and assumptions are there are some people that want to buy it, like pay for it or it's big enough and all of this stuff. Then you set like testable hypothesis. So if I do this, I will see that change into the world in a given time period. And then after testing those hypotheses in experiment way, you, define, you have the definition of success. So you start learning mm -hmm. and then Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Lean UX adds to us like to this mindset, allows the team to also be inside the research and the design to make it a bit more collaborative exactly. process than doing that by. So we have a problem statement, assumption, hypothesis, then the designer from outside comes, brings us the solution to this hypothesis, and then the person comes out. So the Lean UX tries to incorporate this role a bit earlier on into this, this build measure cycle. Exactly. It's incorporating <laughs> earlier and even it goes farther. It tries to make it like really collaborative with everyone. And this means that the role of the designer and the researcher as well becomes a bit more a facilitator of the process, mm -hmm. right? So the, the idea behind is what we said about uh, reducing waste that comes from, from Lean. So if um, the, the, the least collaborative it is, the more mm -hmm. documentation you need, right? True. So if the developers are not in the design process or any other of the, of the stakeholders, they need like very specific documentation on how the design is going to be working, all the specs, everything. So we want to remove that and to remove that, we need something else, which basically is collaboration, yeah. communication. So yeah, working, on the, working on, the, on the process together. Yeah, nice. Yes. So what are the things we can do there? So when we think, for example, research, and we would make it, we would like to make it collaborative and continuous. So usually, what you're gonna have in the team is gonna be, or I am broken. Hopefully, you don't have it that often. But you have like an idea, you launch your research, mm -hmm. you find the research, and then it's the same. Hey, I'm the researcher. This is what I know. Hello, designer. Can you design it? Yes, I designed. Okay, let's move it to delivery. Um, how can we break the cycle? Like, yes, what because, are the because this process that you explained <coughs> creates first it creates a gap of knowledge yeah. from the person who's actually doing the research for the, the team who's, who's receiving the research. There's few processes in between. Yes. Yeah. And then it also creates the feeling that these insights are fixed because they are in a document. Yeah, they yeah. are like a report and it's like mm -hmm. they're not going to change, right? So we want to do. We want to have everyone involved, and we want to do it continuously, mm -hmm. right? So there are things like, for instance, uh, doing weekly interviews or at least frequent interviews where everyone from the team can can participate. Mm -hmm. Of course, the role of the researchers is still super important because 
I mean, as a team, we really don't know which are all the research techniques, what yeah. should we do, whatever. But if we if we try to, you know, plan this research and try to have developers in there, try to have POs, try to have the designers, try to write the questions that we want to answer together, yeah. try to discuss the, the, the insights after mm -hmm. the, the interview together, then we are building uh, knowledge all together. We don't need the documentation. We don't need the report. Yeah. We all we all know. And this gives us also the common understanding about the customer and things like this. And a tip here is like, I know it can feel heavy to start with everybody interviewing someone every week and things like this. You can start lighter. So one of the exam uh, experiments we've been doing was I had this list of questions that our team members would like to ask the customers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was trying to have at least one customer a week to talk to me and then facing that like based on the questions that were coming from the team. I didn't, uh, I wasn't, I weren't thinking about those interviews that are going to produce us a lot of value strategy wise because random people on different questions. But I do believe this gave us a bit more feeling of a team that they can can actually ask those questions to the customer. Yes, it's yes. okay to do them. And then if you're good at asking them or a little bit less good, that's secondary. But being empowered to, hey, I totally want to know this from the users first is mm -hmm, super mm -hmm, important. And you mm -hmm. can start small. So it's more involving the team at some point. The perfect is, yes, having a front end, calling a customer and doing an interview about <laughs> future design, which we also also did a few times, but yeah, you need this. I think it's only empowerment. Like as human beings, we know how to talk to other humans and this yes, is at the yes. end the thing we want to achieve. Here. But just this, this um, a smaller version that you said of just allowing the, the whole team to create a list of questions that will be, um, that will be asked. Yeah. If we have touch points every week or, or you know, quite often, mm -hmm. even if it's a researcher making the, the questions, the team knows that just in a few days, they will be able to, to have an answer to their questions. Because we have, we make a lot of small decisions every day, developers and, and designers, sure. that we are not 100% sure. But if we start building this knowledge and if we have a way to ask the customers, then we can feel much more confident and we're better at answering this, yeah. these questions. Yeah, yeah. and I, I believe that this feeling that you said that everybody gonna you know, have this feeling that in few days I can get the answer is also motivational. So if you're even shy or you believe like oh I'm just engineer what I know about customers, it's like there's no bad ideas and it costs you like two days of waiting. Yes. So it's just empowering and making this more possible to happen from mm -hmm. any other profile you can have in a team so we can get to this collaboration yes and the whole team will become more user-centered because if you actually see the person using your product yeah. it really clicks on your mind like wow there's someone using it struggling suffering or or whatever yeah and there's like so when you have this research and you have this team and you're doing this weekly interviews are they there some ways you can capture the the findings so ah, yes like personas or something like this so in general ideally you would it would be great if you could have like a digital whiteboard or something mm -hmm. where you can keep adding there everything mm -hmm. that you have and keep changing it as well so for instance if you go for the user personas mm -hmm. which is like um it's um, a technique for research, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but basically 
with your research, you, you, can, you can see that you have different types of customers, different types of users, and you want to have them very well defined. So when you're designing features or solutions, you can think, okay, this is going to work for this one, but not for that one, or who is who I am designing for. Um, and normally, like the traditional way of doing it would be, okay, I do a big research with someone who's specialized on this, and I produce these personas who are there for mm -hmm. people to work with. Uh, but again, this creates knowledge gap and it feels like it's not never going to change. So there's the, this concept of the proto-personas mm -hmm. and how this works is that um, the team can create them at first with the current knowledge they have. Of course, it's going to be full of assumptions, mm -hmm. but the team already probably has some knowledge or, or at least some assumptions. So they can create, okay, so for instance, in the healthcare market for us, okay, I can assume we are working for secretaries who are very busy and for uh, nurses who work as secretaries as well. And then we have the doctor who has these characteristics. I'm assuming this. And then after that, we can start doing these interviews to our customers and start validating that mm -hmm. and changing the personas over time. And actually you can do it also with experiments, no? One of the results may be this. So mm -hmm. when, that, that's a nice thing you said. So we have this personas and then we know if it's gonna work to this or that one. So this is when you actually use them for hypothesis, no? So yes. In order to set the hypothesis, you need to know who you're targeting and what exactly. you can expect on the other end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so then they come in handy and if you set the hypothesis, it's gonna be the assumption. So afterwards, you know, Average of patients delivered by gynecology is gonna be 50 years old. That's my assumption mm -hmm. because old people go to gynecologists. Probably untrue. But I run an experiment and I will see, right? So who came? Oh, younger people or random year distribution. Don't look at, at years at all. So th this can happen. And then, okay, so my persona is a bit more defined now. I know it's not exactly. 50 plus, it's exactly. average of 20 to 30 or only this gender in special cases, but you, you can learn based yes. on this. Yes, and you can mutate and maybe you discover there's new personas or maybe you were wrong, but it's not like the information is, is static and doesn't mm -hmm. change because it's in a report, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so we have personas that we can use to understand to whom we will be talking on, her, her, what, who are we targeting. We do like weekly interviews or try to do them continuously on whatever mm -hmm, piece works mm -hmm. for us to keep asking those questions. What else is there? So I would say regarding research, I think any other type where that involves all the team uh, mm -hmm. can work. Uh, but then what do we do with the research? We try to use it for finding the solutions, right? The solutions to the, to the problems we spotted. And here comes the design process. Mm -hmm. And it's the same. We want to, be, to, to have the design process as a collaborative process. And so the designer becomes a bit more like a facilitator of the process. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that we are going to uh, create a design by committee, like, okay, we need to take now all the opinions and put them together yeah, yeah. here. And now we have a Frankenstein. Let's vote on the logo size and things like <laughs> exactly, this. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not like that. But just by the fact of trying to solve the problem, all of us together from the team, mm -hmm. then we already build a common understanding and an alignment. And we don't need documentation. We don't need anything, you know? Yeah. Oh, some. <laughs> if you need to share within the company, but for the well, team, you, you don't need it. But usually. for the team, you don't need it. But maybe if you want to share it in the company, you will maybe share it later, the process and all that. But it's not like a documentation inside of what do we want to build. Yeah. Maybe it's later like, okay, we took these decisions and we built this. We're and creating. this is the result. This is the result. So it's the explanation of the, of the process. Um, 
Yeah, so, yeah, basically, as we said, uh, this common understanding will help us reduce the deliverables. Mm -hmm. uh, so And probably, like, I would assume that this collaborative design can also protect us from the building trap. Uh-huh. Because, you know, let's say how I imagine it. It's like we close in one room seven people, mm -hmm. designers, developers, one researcher. And six of them can have like seven different solutions, no? Yes. Not that hard to generate different UIs. So I believe like with this good facilitator there um, and having all of those opinions, we can come to like mutual agreement of, hey, that's going to be the best solution we can go mm -hmm. to focus on the outcome. Meaning if you have seven ideas, seven solutions, you need to focus on an outcome in order to mm -hmm. rule some of them out instead mm -hmm. of having outputs because if your goal yes. would be let's produce you would have i have seven ideas now i'm good at producing let's produce yes. seven different solutions but that's like probably not logically the best you would do like even by feeling i'm not trying to say it's always bad but probably not the best and if this is collaborative, you need to make these decisions of like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which one of those seven gonna be. Of course, you can make it top, 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 bottom. So you're a designer, you're making color. You have a product manager that has a last call of what goes to production or whatever other technique. But I believe it's much more natural and better for the alignment when we in that moment say like, okay, but what do we want to achieve? Exactly. And then we can start contrasting and comparing the different solutions toward the outcome and like weighting them and saying, hey, this is nice, but maybe we have mutual understanding that this one may be more impactful and towards the goal than the other solution that we created. So Exactly. Yeah, so instead of focusing on outputs, we yeah. will be more focusing on outcomes. And yeah, exactly what you said, it's the danger that the finalized deliverables have. Yeah. So if the designer comes with a finalized design that no one else gave the, the opinion or collaborated or participated, it's like, okay, this is what we just have to build. And we focus then on this output, on yeah. this deliverable to build it, and that's it. And in order to, you know, <laughs> spark some creativity in a team, you need a lot of pushing in such situations. So it's mm -hmm. like, the designer comes with the design that's pretty defined, even if it's open for a challenge, the people will feel a bit less empowered because it's like, oh, there's so much time spent already. And it's, yes. it's a design. I'm not the designer. I cannot <laughs> judge if it's good or bad and things like this. But if you move more, we want to achieve this outcome. Do you believe this solution can bring it? However it looks, mm -hmm. it's a different discussion. And if you're doing that alone, I believe it's much easier to get into the building trap of like, Let's just create a solution and then someone yes. will give me feedbacks and I'm mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. async moment. Then when you have six people having seven different ideas, it's like, okay, I cannot build seven ideas. We need to pick one. How to pick it? The easiest is like, what are we supposed to achieve? And then which <laughs> and one then... of those we believe going to help us achieving it? And... Exactly. Yes. Um, so about this collaboration, you might be wondering maybe, okay, so what exactly does it mean to make a design process collaborative, right? Yeah. So basically it's, I mean, it's things we use on a daily basis, just talking <laughs> can work. That's the first step <laughs> for communicating. sure. communicating. Yeah. So instead of, okay, I'm a designer, I got this project, I will work on it and then I will show it. It's like, okay, let's, let's talk, let's gather and let's talk about it. I, I received this. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. Right. And 
maybe you don't receive any um, like any other ideas than the one you have or maybe yes or whatever but you're already starting some alignment and some thinking about yeah. the about the problem and then you together. can i guess you can include all of the techniques we've been talking about some things like design sprints design thinking exercises yes, exactly they can the, help you. yes these are more like much more elaborated so you can also do like simple whiteboard okay instead of talking let's draw it together right so we can go to a whiteboard and draw stuff or maybe something more sophisticated as you said yeah. so let's do a full design sprint right with every day and all stuff or maybe short workshop right so where we gather together and come yeah. up with with solutions uh so there's one from the more like properly in ux which is called the design studio and that's shorter than the mm -hmm. than the design sprint but it, it's kind of similar but but shorter so basically at the beginning you want to um share the problem mm -hmm. so everyone's together everyone who's going to build the um, the feature or the product is together, we share the problem, what it is, and then each person individually draw solutions, then we share the solutions, we give feedback and opinions about the solutions, and then we can keep rounding and improving the, yep. the solutions until we get to some conversion, some decision and stuff. And kind of we already, you know, probably we have a, a direction to go yeah. after this. And since this is connected to this continuous research that we've been talking and this built measure, measure learn cycle, this becomes like a flywheel of, of itself at mm -hmm, some moment. Mm -hmm. So you collaboratively designed, you made some hypothesis, you then run validation through production or another research on top of UI you, you made, then you learn more, you build more, and then the cycle starts to start going. So, you know, the next time you're designing, everybody's much deeper aligned. So it's like, here's the learning. So from the last time we've been talking, this and this happened, uh -huh. this is what we believe, this is what we know, how to do it again. And it is important to keep it continuous because it's getting faster and easier with every another one because yes. you have this alignment. Yes, and since everyone has, has been participating in the research, then everyone has better and better ideas when coming up with the solutions. Yeah. So it's not that if you come from scratch. So maybe in the past you've heard maybe ideas from other stakeholders or developers who are not in the research and you're like, oh, they have such bad ideas. But maybe it's just because they are not yeah. in the process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. And, and uh, I would say also one more thing, that this continuity reduces the waste even more. Mm -hmm. So if you have it uncontinued and you have more handover based processes, mm -hmm. when we want to have like a team on the same level that we have design research or whatever, you need to produce this long document that describes everything you know, and yes. someone needs to go through it and remember something from it. And then you're going on the next meeting on a, so based on that 10 pages document, now we'll add this button. Do you understand <laughs> the connection? And it's yes. hard. I'm not saying like the continuous part gives the solves it for the new people. So whenever mm -hmm. you have new people, you have the same problem. Like, hey, here's the team that worked on it for a year. They know everything. You know nothing. Learn from them somehow. So you need to find techniques. But for the team that's working on it, there is much less waste. Okay, on the first one, you're probably going to have some. But mm -hmm. at fifth, mm -hmm. you're going to be... So everybody knows we were testing this super small niche thingy. It works, it doesn't work. This is the decisions. Okay, thank you. Bye. And, you don't need five hours of introduction. We just need to... Last week I was doing this, this is the results. What do we guys want to do next? So exactly. it's much less raised for this is also from the research perspective. So you don't need to build all those huge research reports <laughs> for people to follow up on you. 
Exactly. And what takes this removing documentation and handoffs to the next level that at the beginning, if you haven't done it, it can blow your mind. It's uh, having the designer and the developer working at the same time yep. and not the design before and then and then the development. So if we've had this uh, collaborative research and collaborative design, we get to a point that we already have a high level solution. We have a direction. And then next, what you ideally should do is let both tracks start, start working in parallel. So both the designer and the, and the developer. Yeah. This might seem a bit difficult if you have never done it, but one thing that it's key and it's super important is to have a design system or, yeah. or a so UI Yeah, so you don't kit. need to invent all of the... Components exactly. and the rules and everything together because this can be what would take a lot of time. So and you don't spend time thinking how the actual complete is going to behave or... Exactly. How do you show a data card with some patient data in our case? No, you, yeah. you hey, this is how it looks. And if you need to use it somewhere, you can use blocks. Exactly. And you can just communicate with the developers. Hey, we are using this component. We're using the wizard component, this other component. So the developer can start building and the designer can start going deeper and deeper into the details of it, yeah. the interactions and all that. True, true. Because then even if you don't have the high fidelity design, you can say to the, to the developer, hey, it's going to be a form, it's going to have autocomplete, three inputs, a button and the model. Yeah. Yes, content not known and how they're going to interact with each other not known, but you can start. Yes. If you have UI kit, of course, if you need to think how the autocomplete works and you need to re-implement it and every autocomplete looks at and works a bit differently, yes, you need first designer, super nicely defining you how it's going to work but if it's just blocks that you're building ui from yes it's, it's yeah and another advantage uh, advantage that this has is that you can have a very specialized team that is super good on this on design system and in ui kit and on the visuals and on the components just working on that and focused on that and then you have your product team that it's focused on solving the user's problem how the flow is going to be the information architecture all these other things so each one of the parts is highly specialized so yeah. the result is even better yeah and tactical this enables you to have an engineer designing actually doing that at the same time no yes. because it's Super, super continuous and super fast. So one thing that I was able to see when Hungal working with the UI gets, you can actually start getting rapid. So even if the best worst situation in the planet happens, so you're middle of the sprint, you've started producing a bit more detailed things and something happens, you can still like recover from that. Even if mm -hmm. you, so A, you didn't spend this time building like the highest fidelity you could imagine. You were building from nothing to the current state. And B, it's based more on the elements, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you can launch a new Figma, copy half, and then in two hours have a bit different screen in that situation. <laughs> no, you, can, you, yes. you, you can play with it much more like fast than it would be if you have like a whole design with all of the documentation and all of the possible interaction between, then changing one element can take you another five days of rethinking the other exactly. elements that are connected. Exactly, If yeah. you're building step by step with the developer on parallel, you will only know as much as you know. I mean, you should be looking at the steps next, but you, you are worried only about uh, until now, those things stopped working. So how can we rethink them? And then the next steps are, yes, you then need to retrofit them to the new solution, but not necessarily 
rethink everything with every change so you have a bit less legacy really exactly yes you spend less time in each of the steps of the design plus development process so while you're discovering and making decisions and making the designs and everything you you spend you spend less time mm -hmm. so what you said would be would fall under how much fidelity do I give to each of the stages right yeah. of the design process like okay I don't have a final UI so so what what do I have and this one is a bit uh, tricky so it's like okay you will need artifacts to communicate with the stakeholders and with the people but you should be able to decide which artifacts you need for which situation so what's the goal of it yeah. Like if it's just to communicate with the developer, probably I don't need a final UI. Maybe just a drawing can work, or maybe just talking about components or, can work. Yeah, those elements of the UI kit of like, hey, screens, put them. They're gonna look, they should look co coherent with the rest. So you're using design systems, so they're gonna look like any other screen we have. It's how we're gonna put them and why in, in a given direction. So you probably don't need high fidelity. Exactly. Or then, if if it's for a stakeholder, maybe you need a bit more fidelity, but you don't need like the final thing. Yeah, More like you don't the need core. Every single stage, just the, the main screen, the core, so the stakeholder understands the flow, and it's like, oh, okay, I get it. It goes yeah. this direction. Usually, I would say you need like the happy path and one error path, and they're not gonna notice anything else. Exactly. It's fine. Like you don't need to spend this time. Uh, like I've been designing early days of the planner, and I remember, oh, hello, product owner, designer. We need all of the error cases with the design and prototype clickable. And I'm like, this is what we need, unfortunately. <laughs> but nowadays, maybe we don't, as, as you're saying. Like if error is just when you have an error, there is a standard way to display the error. Just display the error mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you don't need to design it anymore no it's like error with action you know how to display yes okay thank you that's that's the job nice so it is indeed less designing more facilitating yes and understanding that there's like other characteristics of design that you can share and you can give value to mm -hmm. because here it feels like we're giving more value to the speed than to the aesthetics right mm -hmm. and that can hurt a bit if you're a designer right because it's like core part of you you know like i produce as a designer um beautiful solutions um amazing solutions yeah. whatever but if i'm not doing that until the very end so during the whole process i'm producing have done things because I'm dropping a wireframe here, I'm having a conversation there, talking about, about components on the other part. It's hard at the beginning. Okay. It's like, what's my value here? I'm never finishing anything, you know? Visuals are super important, but if you leave them to the final stage, well, I, I would say, yeah, whatever, what we said, the, the process is, is, is much more agile and we're going to, re it reduces time. At the end, it's better. That's true, that's true. But a lot of push here is to reduce the time and make it more agile and developer-friendly, let's say. Mm -hmm. To the point of um, designers not finishing or having a feeling, I would just say it is important when... So this is where the rest of the team should keep supporting you. <laughs> so, you know, whenever we slice the solutions or what's going to be the MVP, direction, second, third and everything, we should be striving to achieve this perfect, no? Yes. And then uh, stopping, so deciding, hey, I will not do the perfect. I would say it also needs to be collaborative decision of saying we are good enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of like, problem is solved. I mean, 
you can keep doing it. But if we are at the end institutions that want to find business models and we want to be companies, sometimes incremental changes are just not important anymore. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I believe like the rest of the team can help. And if we have it collaborative, you have this body system that you can, you know, you can come to the meeting and say like, hey, I feel not the best because, well, perfect design would be better, whatever. But you can sit together and talk like, yeah, but you know, when we are talking to them, they actually feel like problem is solved. We, we <laughs> see it's going. There's like, you remember those two guys that were telling about this, but we found out, for example, that there's only three of them in whole population. So I know it feels bad to not deliver, but maybe we shouldn't. And there's something more interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's this, after some time, you start embracing the unknown mm-hmm, and you're, mm-hmm. You can move your motivation from, oh, I didn't finish to, oh, look how many new things I can un- not finish, <laughs> there, you know, new problems to solve. And you move the motivation of the team and everybody uh, more towards the customer being the center and how we can help exactly. customers in new ways than making the most perfect solution, mm-hmm, even if mm-hmm. it not makes the customer more happy. Exactly, yeah. It's, and it's giving value to all these other aspects of design that are not visual, that sometimes they were hidden, yep. right? So people would only see the final part and not the other parts. And now you're bringing the value to these uh, prior design. Yeah, design to design empathizing with the customer, understanding to whom and why you're building. And this is how you give the value as a designer. Problem solving. Than just the number of pixels you produce. Exactly. uh, So this is like you could judge the designer by the number of screens or pixels that a given person can produce you in the finite time. And here we change it into how educated going to be the team about the solution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really, Of course, with the mix with the researcher and this is never one man army job, but the design role is, is in a different, much, much different than Yes. So, well, it's a change we've been doing recently. It's a change of mindset and, but well, we found benefits, right? Yeah. 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 And there's many companies trying to do it. I hope that maybe our talk today inspired some of you to to try (laughs) to do it in the team Um, and then to include the design and UX a bit more into the process and remove yourselves from the output based on we are building features Mm -hmm. and someone telling us what features to build to collaboratively find the features you're going to be building because i believe at the end this is this is the way no Mm -hmm. it's instead of having this designer or a product or whomever coming with the ready things to develop it yes we know team you're developing but let's find some time thinking about the next things you're going to be mm-hmm, developing mm-hmm. and let's do it collaboratively so yeah yeah <laughs> really nice amazing so, yes so yeah. thank you very much guys um and girls i hope you enjoyed the the episode and that it inspired you yeah if you have any comments um contact us if you want to hear about other topics, specific yeah. requests or something. So how <laughs> they can contact much. us? Tell, tell them. Uh, well, if you're in YouTube, you can leave comments here, so, subscribe, so here, yeah. <laughs> bell, whatever. Uh, they can, you can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find the link in anchor.fm slash 2facet. Yes, exactly. Correct. Yes, we're in Twitter at 2facet. 
and Gmail. We are twofacetpodcast at yeah. gmail.com. Exactly. <laughs> so please reach to us if you want to pick up any of the topics or you would like to hear something else in the next episode. And thank you for today and see you soon in the next episode. See you. Bye. Bye.